Hey guys, welcome to the Swerve Church Podcast. My name is Danny, the lead pastor. I pray that the message that you're about to hear is encouraging, uplifting, and honestly challenging as well. I want to invite you to join us in person Sundays at 11 a.m. at the Swerve Hub at 239 Stanhope Street, or catch church online at 11 a.m. on our YouTube or Facebook page. Thanks so much for tuning in, and I pray that you're blessed by today's message and that it helps draw you closer to Jesus. When we're kids, we believe and behave in some pretty silly manners. Uh, we can be pretty gullible as kids sometimes as well. For example, many kids believe in Santa Claus and the Tooth Fairy. Uh, they might put cookies and milk out for Santa, expecting a tree full of gifts under it, or put a baby tooth under the pillow for the Tooth Fairy, expecting to find, you know, one, two, three bucks the next morning. You know, I love this post that I saw on my Facebook timeline this week from a friend of mine. His church was doing a, a, a kid's VBS, and one of the kids dropped his tooth in the offering bucket. I guess he figured the tooth fairy would give his money to the church and uh, put it to good use. You know, how, how cute is that? How adorable. You know what wouldn't be cute? If an adult did that. Like if an older person believed that and, and dropped their dentures in the offering bucket and said, you know, there you go, the, the tooth fairy should give you good money for those. Nobody would think that that was cute because with age and time, you expect there to be a level of maturing that happens. As you grow up, you discover that those, those were cute little stories your parents uh, told you to get you excited about losing a tooth or getting gifts. Maturity has to do with development, progress, momentum, forward movement. We mature physically, we mature, we mature emotionally, we mature intellectually, but did you know that we also mature spiritually? We progress spiritually. We learn and grow in our walk with Christ. Our knowledge of God and His Word, our thoughts and attitudes conform more to the thoughts and attitudes of Christ. Our speech and vocabulary are more Christ-honoring. Our actions are bent to selflessness for the glory of God. This is all a part of the spiritual maturing process sparked in us by the Holy Spirit when we put our faith in Christ. Nobody just magically ends up there, but we journey there. We grow and mature and develop. Now, why do I bring this up? Because this is one of the main ideas Paul is communicating to the Philippian church and in turn to us through today's passage. So today I have three big ideas from Philippians chapter 3, verse 15 and 16. Here's number one. Write this down. And that is grow up. Let's look at the beginning part of the verse. It says this, Therefore, let all of us who are mature think this way. This is a call from Paul to aspire to maturity. This means that there should be growth in our walk with Christ. We experience progress in our Christian walk, meaning where we are today is not where we were yesterday, and where we'll be tomorrow is not where we were today. There's progression. Now, that doesn't mean perfection, Remember, Paul himself, the missionary, church planter, disciple maker, bold gospel proclaimer, author of books of the Bible, he himself said that he did not arrive, that he hadn't reached the goal. But he mentioned that we forget what's behind, we reach forward to what's ahead. Reaching forward means that there's forward movement and momentum. Reaching forward means that there's progress. It's just like in our natural lives. There's maturity as well. When you're a baby, you drink mama's milk, right? Or, or you drink formula. When you get a little older, you, you still don't have teeth, so you eat baby food and then oatmeal. Right? Your, your parents put a, a little bib on you because babies make a mess w when they eat. 
And it's so cute to see a baby eat and make a mess. Nowadays, I've even seen parents pay good money and buy a birthday cake just so that their baby can make a mess and squish it with their fingers and spread it all over their face. You know what's not cute, however? When you're 45 years old with a beard, drinking from a bottle and wearing a bib. That's not cute. Okay, you're, you're not a grown woman needing to sit on the high chair at Burger King or get your diaper changed. That's not cute, okay? But, but Paul gives a call to be mature, and, and he says to think this way. To think which way? What, what is he talking about? Well, he's talking about all that he's mentioned in the previous verses. To pursue Christ above all else, to desire God's will over your own, to grow in Christ's likeness, to live with eternity in mind, and to strive towards the goal. To not depend on your personal righteousness, but the righteousness of Christ alone. It's a call to maturity. And honestly, and I say this with a lot of pride, it's what I've been able to see in the lives of many of you. I've seen the spiritual maturing happening in your lives. And praise God, it's nothing short of a miracle. And if you're unable to see it, allow me to make much of it and open your eyes to what God has done and what He's doing in and through each of you. It's evidence of a living God working through His Spirit to change and transform your life. And this is something we should all aspire to, to grow in maturity, to grow in our knowledge of Christ, to grow in our walk with Him, to grow in Christ's likeness and holiness, to fall deeper in love with Christ, to obey Christ, to follow Christ, and to live our lives in a way that brings honor to Him. So here's the question for you to grapple with today. Is there evidence of maturity in your walk with Christ? As you look back at the spiritual journey you've been on so far, do you see progress? If not, why not? What is holding you back from maturing in your walk? Because as you mature, you put Christ first in your life. You live your life in a way that honors God. His priorities become your priorities, and you strive towards the goal with eternity in mind. We grow up. The second big idea from today's passage is this. You could write this down. Number two, we look up. Let's continue reading today's passage. Look at the verses once again. Paul writes this, Therefore, let all of us who are mature think this way. And if you think differently about anything, God will reveal this also to you. What this means is that if you hear anything from God's word, anything that is based on God's truth, but you disagree with it or you challenge it, or you have a difficult time grappling or grasping it, you beg God to reveal it to you and to change your heart. You're not gonna change his. Ask him to change your mind because you're not gonna change his. You know, we live in a world that does not think biblically, in case you didn't know. We live in a world that does not care or remotely agree with God's standard. We live in a world that is influenced and led by demonic teaching and ideas. And what that means for us is that to think biblically is to go directly against the standards of this world. And this is why so often it is such a challenge for us when we're confronted by God's Word. We're indoctrinated daily by the world through social media, through the movies, through the shows we watch, through the advertisements and billboards that we pass by on a daily basis. We're so indoctrinated that when God's Word goes against our cultural thinking, we don't know what to do. We try to rationalize, or even worse, we try to manipulate and conform the Bible to affirm the sinful ways of the world, to justify the craziness of the world. 
We see this in everything from when it comes to the, the sanctity of life and, and, and the value of a human being, which the Bible says that the Lord formed and knew from the mother's womb. Or when it comes to identifying manhood and womanhood, to the destruction of the family unit, which God ordained and designed and which we read in just a few pages of the scriptures. Or when it comes to the covenant of marriage, our culture would approve shacking up and hooking up outside of marriage. And when it doesn't work out, oh well, it's on to the next one. Because God knows our hearts, so we can bypass His design and His structure. Or when it comes to living with an eternity, with eternity in mind and living for God, culture would tell you to focus on the here and now. Accumulate wealth, things, and possessions. Live to glorify self, to worry and care for number one. Forget about caring for others, doing good unto others, living below your means so that you can live open-handed and generous. But this is why Paul says that as we mature, we don't look out to culture, we look up to God, to His design, to His desires, to His will, what He laid out, and we aspire to that. That is our standard. Some of you think that you know better than God. You think you know more than God. How arrogant of you to think that way. To think that you are so evolved in your thinking and that God's thoughts and designs are antiquated and outdated. If something in culture blatantly contradicts God's word, I'm going to err on the side of the guy who created the world and knows how it should function. Even if it means going against the grain of what is popular in culture or what is widely accepted. Because I choose to look up, not out. What about you? When, are you, when you are hard-pressed by every news media outlet is pushing, by every, what every online magazine and blog is publishing, what your friends at school or your coworkers believe and are talking about, are you going to look out or are you going to look up? Paul says, and if you think differently about anything, God will reveal this to you also. And that is a part of the maturation process where you where you used to allow the world to form your thoughts and attitudes now you allow God to reveal to you the correct way you live in a way where you submit no matter how hard it may seem to what God the author of life itself says we look up and if we think differently about anything we ask God to reveal his will we beg God to conform our hearts to his not the other way around we grow up we look up and lastly, Paul says this, number three, you can write this down, don't give up. Let's look for one final time and finish out the passage for today. Therefore, let all of us who are mature think this way. And if you think differently about anything, God will reveal this, to also, this also to you. In any case, we should live up to whatever truth we have attained. Here's what Paul is saying. Do not abandon the knowledge of Christ that you have already obtained. He's telling the Philippians that whatever level of maturity they've gained so far, to put it into practice and not give in to the temptation to compromise what's already been learned. You know, there's a temptation to let go of what we've already believed and have it conform to some cultural belief. Take hold of what you've already grasped and grappled with and hold on to those truths tightly. Live out what you already know and strive towards growing deeper in your knowledge and understanding of God. This reminds me of a parable that Jesus once told. You can read about it fully in Matthew chapter 13, but for the sake of time, I'm going to paraphrase it for you. He talks about a farmer who's casting some seeds, you know, to try to grow a crop. 
And he mentions four types of soil. And the point of Jesus' parable is to try to, get his, to try to get you and his audience to identify which type of soil they are. The first seeds that are sown are along a path, but the seeds just land on the surface and they never take root. So the birds swoop down, snatch up the seeds and eat them. The second set of seeds is sown on rocky ground. But since the dirt is shallow and rocky, the seed sprouts up quickly. Uh, but since the roots don't go down deep, the sun beats down on the plant and kills it. The third set of seeds is sown on thorny soil. So when the seeds begin to sprout, the, throns, the, the thorns surround the plant and choke it so it is unable to bear fruit. The last soil was fertile ground. The seed cast on it was able to lay deep roots, grow, and even produce way more fruit than was originally cast on it. And so Jesus goes on later in the chapter to explain the parable. The seeds sown along the path consumed by the birds represent seeds of the gospel sown into people's hearts. But because it's misunderstood, the enemy swoops in and snatches it away. The seed sown among the, the rocky soil represents the gospel sown into people's hearts, but it never takes root. Their life is never rooted in the gospel. And while they enjoyed the feeling and they received it with joy, the shallowness of their faith causes the experience to be short-lived. The seed among the thorns represents the gospel sown into hearts, but the worries of life, the pressure, the stress, the love of money and greed chokes the gospel seed that is sown. The good soil represents the gospel sown and received into fertile hearts, where the gospel takes such rootedness in one's life that it begins to bear fruit and multiply out. It receives the truth and it lives up to it. Which of these soils best represents you? Let me tell you, each of these things are trying to unearth the gospel seed planted in your life. And Paul is saying in today's passage to not give up what you've already attained. The enemy wants to snatch the gospel truth sown into your heart. Your emotions can be deceptive in leading you astray from the gospel truth sown into your heart. The worries, the pressures, the temptations of life are a danger to the gospel truth sown in your heart. But don't give up what you already know. Allow that seed to take deeper and deeper root. Allow what you already know to be gasoline onto the flame that the Lord has ignited into your life through His gospel. Don't give up. In other words, live up to what you already know. And the areas of your life where there's questions and doubts and confusion, and God will fill in those gaps. But don't let go of those gospel seeds sown into your life. Don't let go of the level of maturity that you've attained thus far. Now, for those of you that are here today and your question is, what even is the gospel? The gospel is good news. It is that we were dead in our sin and trespasses and sin, but that a loving, mighty, and gracious God refused to leave us on the side of the road. He chose life for us. And He did so in the most unthinkable and humble way. God put on flesh in the person and work of Jesus. Jesus walked among us. He dealt with our struggles. He felt the pull of temptation. He received rejection and hatred, and yet He never sinned. Jesus lived the life that we were incapable of living and endured the punishment that our sins deserved. On the cross of Calvary, Jesus received the wrath that was owed you and me. And he hung his head and he died. His death was the perfect sacrifice for our sin. It justified the wrath of God. But good news doesn't end with the funeral. Good news celebrates 
a resurrection. Because Jesus is God and has power over life and death, Jesus conquered the grave so that all who come to him can not only have their sins forgiven, but also have the promise of eternity in the presence of God. And all you have to do to be welcomed into the family of God is to take your, take your faith off of yourself and put it onto the only person who can make a difference, the only one who can forgive sin, the only one who is mighty to save. Put your faith in Jesus. Guys, let's strive to mature in our walk with Christ. And I've been seeing it happen. Miracles are happening before my very eyes. You all are growing in your faith. So continue to grow up. Let's look up. Don't look at the world, the changing times, the ever-shifting culture. Look up to God. Look to His standards. He will help you mature, help you understand, and help you grow. Don't give up what you already have. Allow the gospel to take deep, deep root in your life. Don't allow the enemy, the cares of this world, persecution for your faith to disturb the good gospel work God has begun to do in your life. Allow the gospel to permeate, guide, and fill you. Hold on to it. Let's pray. God, I pray you help us to grow up. Thank you for the maturing that you are doing in the lives of the people here at our little local church. We praise you, God, for the gospel seeds taking deep root and flourishing. God, help us to look up when we have questions, doubts, or confusion. May we not simply follow the shifting waves of culture, but may we look to you and hold fast to your truths. God, help us to not give up, to hold firm to the good work that you've already begun in our lives. I pray against the work of the enemy, against our own emotions, against the pressures of this world, all trying to push us away from you. But God, we choose to hold firm to you because we know that your grip is strong and you will never let us go. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Guys, I truly pray and hope that you were challenged and encouraged by today's message. I want to take a second to invite you to join us in person. We're gathering this Sunday at 11 a.m. at the Swerve Hub, 239 Stanhope Street, right here in Bushwick, Brooklyn. And come on over, join us, come to the Swerve Hub. Let's worship together. Let's get together. Let's worship God together. Let's learn and grow together. Let's fellowship together. Why don't you come on out and join us in person this Sunday?